Blog Talk Radio. Chatting with Nat is a podcast for independent women seeking to speak their truth and to break down barriers. We host honest conversations that help to guide and empower women. Speak your truth and set yourself free. Let your voice be heard. Hi, this is Natalie Jean. This is Natalie D. Yes. And today we are on chatting with Nat. Always chatting with Nat. Today we have recording artist Laura Jane Jones. Laura Jane Jones is originally from just outside Detroit, Michigan. She is multi-ethnic and was adopted into a multi-ethnic family. From a young age, she had a worldview which stemmed from her family being comprised of Asians, Caucasians, African-Americans, and Latinos. Her adopted father was a white man and a civil rights activist. He became a federal judge appointed by Jimmy Carter. She grew up listening to jazz, Latin jazz, salsa, and R&B mostly. Her household was filled with intellect, and her parents encouraged her creativity, individuality. Lord Jane Jones grew up doing mostly musical theater. She studied dance and piano for many years as a youngster, performed in multiple musicals growing up. Her first professional gig was being featured in the children's choir of the opera Grand Rapids in the opera Carmen. In Carmen, she was the lead Moorish child. Isn't that exciting? She also performed in the children's chorus of Tosca. As a youngster, she also booked some television commercials for the mega grocery store Mejer and sang on one radio commercial for Honda. Overall, Laura Jane was a creative child. She was constantly writing poetry, books, learning piano, guitar, and studying dance. She went on to study musical theater at the Boston Conservatory of Music and got a degree in music and theater at the University of the Arts in Philadelphia. She did work professionally in theater, including doing productions of Little Shop of Horrors, a European tour of hair, Beehive at the Gem Theater in Detroit, a national tour of Harlem Renaissance, Jesus Christ Superstar at the Santa Barbara Civic Light Opera, Bobos, a hip-hop musical and twist at the Walnut Street Theater, Philadelphia. Now, Laura has toured with many, many, many people. My God, it's it's extensive. It's crazy. I I can't even begin. Um, She's been a featured artist. Sorry, a featured vocalist for Enrique Iglesias. She also toured with Joe Cocker's last tour and is featured on his last DVD that he recorded. She was one of the first females who ever, to ever record with Aerosmith and is featured on the album called Music from Another Dimension. She also recorded and toured and performed with many others such as Kelly Clarkson, Billy Ray Cyrus, The Black Eyed Peas, Catherine McPhee, Liam Michelle, David Matthews Band, Perry Farrell and Satellite Party, Nicole Scher- Scherzinger, the late great, great Tina Marie, Josh Stone and Michael Bolton, Vintage Trouble, Adam Lambert, Miles Mosley and Fantastic Negrito. 
This is an extensive list of people. Let's give her a round of applause. Hi, Laura. How are you? How are you? I'm still alive in this um thing called a pandemic. Oh yeah, we're still alive and that's what's so awesome. I'm super grateful <laughs> to be alive and kicking and thriving actually. So what can you what can you do? But yeah, I'm happy I'm here for having me. Oh, it's truly my honor. I mean every day I wake up and I'm like, mm, what next? You know, between Florona, Omicron, Delta, COVID. You know, COVID had some yeah. things. It's it's like you you have to pinch yourself and ask yourself, is this really happening in the 21st century? Right. Um, yeah, for sure. You definitely have to keep asking yourself that. And it is a crazy and interesting cycle. But, um, you know, hopefully we're coming through somewhere, somewhere at the end of it, I hope. You know, I don't see how this can just keep going like this. No, I know. I, I, yeah, I don't yeah. know how I yeah. Like so one of the questions yeah. I like to ask everybody is that yeah. now I have a little story behind everything that I say. But so we just talked about the pandemic. Obviously, there were pros and there were cons. Cons: people dying, losing limbs, family members, and all that horrible stuff. But there were pros in the sense of there was a lot of self-reflection that was being done during this time because some people had a lot of time on their hands. Some people were still working from home or even working at their jobs instead of the time where we had the lockdown. Now, one of the craziest things that I've seen that I saw during the pandemic was families walking outside with, with their with their children. Now, that shouldn't be crazy, but I saw more right. and more of it because people were locked down. They didn't have anything, I guess, better to do, so they decided to spend time with family. Um, I knew people that cut back on work because they realized they weren't spending time with family. I read several articles that people were quitting their jobs because they realized that they wanted to follow their passion. It wasn't about, you know, money. You had climate change where the animals and the trees, Mother Nature was like, oh, you know, they, they were happy. People were not in the <laughs> outside because the pollution level right. went down. Right. In, regards, in regards to artists like you and I and, and other people out there doing whatever they're doing, they really started to think about who they wanted to be as artists. I, I know artists that rebranded, took down their music, was like, I'm doing something totally different. Um, did you take time to really self-reflect or did you say, you know what, I know who I am. This is what I'm bringing out to the world. Well, I mean, listen, I, if, if anyone says that they didn't take time to reflect, I think they're lying. <laughs> um, I mean, just that actual time that was forced upon us right. forced you to reflect. I mean, if someone, I mean, I, seriously, if anyone says they didn't reflect, I, I question their, their mental state of being. Um, so, yes, of course, I, I reflected. I went very deep and very within. It was It was definitely some of the scariest months of my life. You know, I've been right. working consistently and traveling and I've, you know, I've never, I haven't sat that still in 20 some odd years. Oh, wow. So it was actually um, kind of difficult for me. It was very mm. difficult in the beginning. It was very, it was very haunting. It right. was very somber and it was very scary for me. Um, I've never, I have not sat that still in 20 some odd years. So um, 
it took some time to really get to the point where I was actually feeling like I was reflecting because I think in the beginning there was so much fear and like what's happening mm-hmm. and oh my God, am I going to lose my house? How can I pay my bills right. you know, as an artist? So um, I think that once I got past that initial fear, which lasted like at least two months, I mean, that was at least two months. Mm. Then I really started to really, really, the thing about the pandemic, which, which you started with, which I want to go back to, even though I don't have my, I don't have kids of my own, the pandemic really revealed the cracks in the whole mm. society. Like Amen. why, why I had friends who have never spent that much time with their children and their children yep. are 15. They've never been home like that. You realize that, you know, someone was working a job and, um, and they hated it and they want, you know, it just really revealed all of the cracks in the system. People that were making, there's a lot of like accusations of these people are making more money on unemployment. And that's why they don't want to go back right. to work. And I say, but that's the problem. Think about that. How in mm. the freaking hell, I don't know if I can cuss on here. No, you how can in say the freaking hell, how in the fuck, how about that? Did, can someone make more money on unemployment and then someone's criticizing them because they don't want to go back to work? It just shows exactly. you like, how is that possible? So I wanted to just go back to that because, yes, as an artist, it was difficult. It was painful, you know, but I have so many friends who are artists who have kids, who yes. are home all day with their kids and what <laughs> they went through with their kids. And, I mean, I, I really, I honestly think that parents were the heroes of the last two years. Parents. Yes. I know that people say that. People say the health workers. I think it's parents. Right. Parents. So yes, I reflected and it made me realize I'm going to, my biggest realization, and I noticed you started the, this out with me being a touring vocalist and your colleague did that as well. Um, Yes, I have spent a lot of my time touring and and traveling, even though I've done three albums and I've recorded for years and years as well. But I realized for the first time ever that Mm. I could be home and be Mm. content. Mm. I enjoyed the peace. I liked the quiet. I, I'm I'm very domestic. Like I love to cook. You know, I got into a routine, and I was for the first time ever. I was like, wow, I could I could actually do this. I could live like realization. I realized that I do want to focus more on studio stuff and mm. and recording and 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 writing and producing and that kind of a thing. And I had kind of you know what's funny about me, babe, 2019. I had this like epiphany. Right. I was like, I don't want to travel anymore. I don't want to tour anymore because I don't want to depend on touring for my income. Boom, 2020 hit. It was almost as if I had some really weird premonition. I was right. not prepared, but no one was prepared. So, um, so yes, there was a lot of reflection. There was a lot of going within. There was a lot of crying. There was some sadness. There was hope. You know, there was many, many, many avenues, many, many. It was a roller coaster of emotions. Yes. Um, sure. I, yes, yes. <laughs> I, went through, I went through all of them because, you know, I was at a job for about 15 years. And, and a lot of those years, I always wanted to quit for many different reasons. And then the pandemic hit. And I kid you not, this gave me the opportunity to be able to leave. It, right. I, I, I agree with you. It's, okay, we know the pandemic was bad, but at the same time, it gave us the reason to do what we're doing now. 
Right. It, see, that's, that, it, it was, it was, it was the catalyst for a lot of people. Yeah. It definitely it was. was. And that's why, you know, it's, it's funny because, <clears throat> you know, everyone kind of has their story from, right. from 2020, specifically yeah. 2020. I'm going to say 2020. Uh, <laughs> we're still in it, but people are back to work. We have to go, we, we right. have to go back to work, you know, right. but everyone has their story and, and there's validity in, in everyone's experience, you know? Amen. Amen. I agree with yep. you hundred mm-hmm. percent. Now, so that's, so that's interesting. So you, you finally, yeah. so you, you had, you, you lost your job. Is that what you were implying? No, uh-uh. Now they said goodbye. So uh-huh. here's the story. Here's the story. Oh, excuse many... me. Correct me, girl. Correct me. <laughs> <laughs> Adios. Uh, She's like, nah, nah. My story is that for years, there was a lot of back and forth at my job in regards to the people that I work with, and I I wanted to leave, but my my job was very family-oriented. I was very close to the people at the same time. You know, you are, you can argue and bicker with some of your family and and still love them. Um, And it it was the time when they said they wanted us to get vaccinated. Now, at that point, I was not ready, but they were making it mandatory. I don't like people telling me what to do. So... (laughs) I was like, and then I, I was, and so I did get COVID um, in December of uh, 2020 and I had it bad. I didn't have to go to the hospital, but it was, it was horrible. And, um, right. and it, and it totally changed me. I mean, I still have lingering effects, but it totally changed me. I'm a outspoken person, but COVID made me have no filter. And so I felt like if I went back to work, I would have cursed my bosses out. And that wouldn't have been right. good. So I rather right. uh, <laughs> leave, leave, you know, am- amicably. <laughs> and so we worked out a thing, and and and, and I left. Um, and, and, and I've been wanting to do that for years and years and years. And I, and you know, and I sit back and I said, I can't believe it took a pandemic for me to um, really say, okay, you know what? You, you literally have to take your balls and not that I have balls or my boots or whatever out and. Just do it. Just leave and focus on well, the thing that and you want. Yeah, and it's funny because I used to use the word, it was a shift. It's been a shift where really, and, and then I was using the word, it was a reset. But now mm-hmm. I think that when I really look back at 2020 and 2021, I mean, we're still in it. Right. Uh, but those, you know, those those moments were happening in 2020 and 2021. It's a shakeup. Right. It's been a shakeup. It's been like... Hell no, I'm divorcing your ass. Hell yes, I'm marrying your ass. Oh, let's have a baby. I'm quitting this job. I'm going to do this instead. Um, right. You know, it, it's been a shakeup. It's, uh, you know, I was using these terms, like I said, shift and all these, like, more esoteric fucking <laughs> terms. Yes. But no, but it has but, been. Um, it has been. It but now been. I think of it more as a shakeup. It's been a shakeup. It's still a shakeup. We're still not, yeah. I mean, if you look at a lot of things between between the elections, that was the first cup, and then the George, I mean, during the pandemic, you had George Floyd, um, it, it was a bunch of, a lot of stuff going on, and not only did we reveal, uh, things were revealed to us in regards to our profession and stuff like that, family members, friends, some friends you even didn't even know they were racist as hell, and you're like, oh, okay, right. well, goodbye, goodbye. I don't care. I'm not dealing with these. I think think, think that that's another reason why um, that time was so 
it was like the perfect storm. You know, politics were divisive, families were breaking apart. Um, you know, it's funny because after the first two weeks of the pandemic, I remember talking to my ex, and he was like, watch, there's going to be civil unrest. I'm like, no, you're tripping. Nah, that ain't going to happen. Nah, and he's from England. So um, he's like, no, watch. If this goes on and on and on, there's going to be civil unrest. And lo and behold, everyone had the time to really, really think about stuff and go within and see what was important. People didn't have jobs. They didn't have money. And it was just the perfect storm, the politics, um, you know, a president throwing the gasoline on the fire, you know, yeah. just it's like, you know, so. And then, yeah, it just, uh, it was a really, really volatile time. Um, that year and that summer was crazy. I mean, I live in Los Angeles and the National Guard was just like two, three blocks from my house. Oh, wow. I was tripping. You understand me? I was tripping. I was like, oh, hell no. (laughs) Um, No, it was very scary. It was scary. It was scary. Now, during this time, you know, in our line of work, obviously, in music, music is subjective, but, you know, people can be hateful, and people can be nice, and people can just be weird. Um, how do do you deal with um, m- being mentally focused, you know, um, focusing on wellness, body, mind, and soul? How do you keep your head um, on, <laughs> keep it straight, and obviously, obviously, will affect you. That's just life. Things are going to affect you, but how do you balance throughout all yeah. Well, the Yeah, well, the very beginning of the pandemic, like, I had the worst insomnia. I hear this from everyone. I hear that, like, people didn't sleep for two months or people were drinking every night or, yeah. Um, so I, I definitely went through some of that as well, but I'm also very much into uh, um, uh, exercise and meditation and um, I have a lot of mechanisms that help center myself, even though it wasn't necessarily working at that time. Like it was just such, you know, it was a crazy time, but I, um, I would go for walks. Um, I live in California. So luckily I can say that I was, could go for walks any, pretty much any time of the year. Um, and you know, I walked for some time. I remember in the thick of it, I would literally walk till I dropped. I would walk like four hours, five hours. I would literally just walk until I dropped. I was just like, I, you know, um, so walking meditation, I started doing my own yoga here at home. Right. Um, so those things, those are the things that really help center me. And of course, um, you know, I was pretty much started to really learn how to be efficient in the recording studio. That was the biggest plus. Of the time that I had, I really became a great engineer. I now can produce my own vocals with a quickness. And so I was just writing. I was just creating and just writing. And it was just like, okay, I'm freaking out. Get in the studio. And so that's what I would do, you know. That's very smart. You you honed in on your own skill. There you go. Good for you. Um, I can understand the insomnia. I've suffered with insomnia most of my life. which is crazy. Then I had thyroid issues that made it worse. Then, lo and oh, behold, wow, mama. Yeah. 
then lo and behold, menopause came. And let me tell you something, between the hot flashes and not being able to sleep at night, like I, I <laughs> they, come and go. Yeah, they come and go, and um, <laughs> the past three days, I really haven't slept because I'm so hot. I mean, the house is freezing, but I am naked. And I'm still hot. It's it's crazy. <laughs> so then, um, then, the, then COVID, I found that if you've had COVID, it, it, insomnia is part of it. I was just like, okay. Um, so I, 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 I've been like a walking zombie for the last two years. <laughs> oh, wow. That's, that's really, really, I mean, that's, listen, I have my phases, um, you know, but insomnia is, can be can really affect your health later in life. Yes. Do you ever yes. do any like, you know, um, melatonin or do you ever do magnesium? So listen, whatever you're going to say, I've tried it. So my sister, and I don't smoke marijuana. I don't care if people do marijuana. So there's a thing that's called indica. She always says I say it wrong. And so it's, it, it's, it's I guess. And so you, you take drops of it and put it on your and it's supposed to relax oh, yeah. you, make you fall asleep. Now, two people have suggested it. I've taken half the bottle. Do you hear me? Mm-mm. Wow, wow, girl, wow. No, I was up for 24 hours. I was like, okay, all right. Um. <laughs> <laughs> wow, mama, that's insane. Yeah, you think? Um, so I was just like, okay, so this is the life as a vampire. You just don't sleep. Uh, okay. At least vampires actually sleep in coffins. But, uh, yeah, yeah. That, and then the hot flashes, let me tell you, I'm, well, I, can, I can't even believe, I can't even begin to talk about that crap. It's just disgusting. Um, well, you know, yeah, insomnia, I mean, that's, um, yeah, I mean, that's a pretty, my mom has, what is it, this fibromyalgia or whatever the yeah. frick that is. Do you know what that, yeah, that yeah, is? Yeah. It's like some, I mean, do you think it's something similar to that? You no, suffer from? It's, it's every, no, it's just everybody's different. One. It's, it, it, and more, more, more of it is about the menopause. Um, mm-hmm. Right. When you're so hot, you're sweat. I had to buy a body a body pack um, body ice pack so mm. you put it in the freezer now you can't put it directly on your body because you'll get frostbite so you have to put a sheet over you and then you put the body ice pack on your back for 30 minutes okay now wow for a little bit but then i'd have to take it off because then it would get so at night you know i'm like i'm doing a dance at night because the covers are on the covers are off the covers are on the covers are off the covers are on the covers are off. I, I i feel like i need to write a song about it um have you ever been this hot i don't know but it's just been so crazy and you know and so music has been my gateway like sometimes I do get up and I'll write and it'll help me fall asleep and stuff like that it's just been that's dope yeah so, so music has been my that's great saving grace now with your music how important is it for you to be authentic in your artistry in your songwriting everything that you do with music I think it's really important to me. I mean, I um, <clears throat> I was one of those people, you know, where I was I had record deals when I was 18, 19, 20, 21, that kind of a thing. Um, and then when I realized that I was going to be an independent artist and produce my own stuff and get it out there, I could only do 
um, what felt right to me at the time. Now, of course, I, I've evolved. Things have changed. You know, right. one project is different from the other. So when I say authenticity, for me, I think it means some kind of truth, something yes. that is, you know, whether it's like your, the sound you want to do or the producer you were lyrically or something, um, right. a lot of people, and you listen, I'm not mad. Some people just are doing this because they want to be a star. Now with TikTok right. and Instagram and all this stuff, it's like, oh, you know, you got to do this. Well, um, and hey, listen, I'm not, I'm not knocking anybody at this point. You know, the music business has changed so much in the last 20 years. I, mm-hmm. I don't even know what you got to do, right? So, <laughs> for me, authenticity is is very important. Um, you know, and I think that's why this latest EP for me it just kind of represents something different than some of my other projects because um, I haven't released. Uh, an EP or an album in about in many in like eight or nine years, but this project just really wouldn't have come. It wouldn't have been born if it hadn't been for the pandemic. I was home. I was freaking out. I was sitting by the pool with my neighbor who's a producer. And I remember it was like May or June of 2020. The protests were happening. Yeah, no, it was June. The protests were happening. Everything was fucking going crazy. And he was like, why don't I send you some tracks? So I never would have worked with him if I if these right. world events hadn't been happening. Um, and then the and and the sound of this EP is very different for me because it's very electronic. Mm. But I also think that that also represents the mood at the time, which is everyone was freaking out about money and right. everyone was kind of home alone trying to do music. So. Like the the album, people are like, "Oh, who played on it?" I'm like, "Well, actually, nobody. You know, there's no star guitar player with the Grammy. Right. You know, but I feel like that space in the music that 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 space is just also reflective of the time. And mm. you know, so and then <clears throat> this is really the first project that I've ever done where I've actually produced all the vocals myself. And with that. I just was able to take my time and I wasn't Mm. influenced by somebody in the room who was probably making me feel bad or like, so Mm. all all I, I, I had to just trust my own instincts. Right. You know? So um, there was that. Um, And then when I look back, you know, when we were finishing these songs, I really wasn't sure I was going to, I had no intention of really releasing this. But I'd gotten some good feedback, and then I realized that the lyrics were different than Mm. the kind of thing that I've written before. And again, it it has to do with the luxury of time. I had time Mm. to go within, you know, so it just would not have been born. So for me, in terms of authenticity, I feel like this project is authentic in that I'm always going to remember this project that I did during that time, and it's always going to make me feel a certain kind of way, you know? And that's why I decided to release it, for all those reasons. You know, it is authentic. I love that. Now I'm going to play your song, High in the Sky. Tell me what that is about. Wow. Well, High in the Sky um, is about death. It's about maybe the rapture. I'm not super religious, but it's about 
ascending into heaven or being taken somewhere, taken up. Um, Eye in the sky. And the lyrics are, um, in your mind is where you'll find me. I am flying home. So for some reason, there was just so much death and so much, like, it just, and I, I wrote the chorus for this in like 10 minutes. It was oh, wow. I, the first thing that came out was I am the sky. I don't know why it was just in my subconscious. I mean, it was such a crazy right. time in 2020 that the darkness and the turmoil and the fear and like, ay ay ay, you know, and it just poured out. And when I, listen back and after I wrote the song I wrote the main part of the song in 10 minutes I don't know when I finished it I know I tweaked the lyrics a few times but it's not like I was like I'm gonna write about death and angels and the rapture you know I was not like it wasn't my intention it just came out that way you know the thing about 2020 we have to remember do you remember the start of 2020 when Kobe Bryant all of a sudden just died yes 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 I was at the Grammy. I rem- <laughs> right. And I remember being like, that's an omen. Mm. I felt like his death in particular was an omen. Like something's going down. <laughs> so I was about it, to go down. It was crazy. It was just like, it was, it, we were, uh, a couple of my friends and I, we were waiting on the red carpet to go on the side where you could go. And all of a sudden, my my sister texts me, and she's like, oh, my God, Kobe Bryant's dead. And I'm like, no, that's not true. And then it was all over the place. It was surreal. It's just, you it was thought. surreal. And you're just like, huh? Yeah. What? And then the rest of the world, the rest of the year was, huh? What? We're going to do what? Shut down. Right. What's going on in the air? Right. And we're all fighting right. for masks and all kinds of things? Okay. All right. I believe it when I see right. it. Right. So uh-huh. I think, yeah, so, yeah, the year started off like that. And um, Eye in the Sky, like I said, is about, it's really about the rapture. I mean, I, I'm not, you know, I'm not really super religious. I know that is specifically a biblical idea, but um, that's what it's about. And I don't know why I wrote that. That's just what came out. That's so that's what it's about. And that's what it is. So let's play it.
to uh to listen to it in different ways like you know hearing it on the other end through the phone is you know it's just it's just always hits you it hits you every time that's what it, it's interesting you said it's kind of about them but my god is very sensual <laughs> well you know the other thing that i was ex- the other thing that i was exploring which mm. came again from a true a place of truth mm. is that i was I was I was exploring with singing small and breathy and like mm-hmm. air and I was right. just feeling so vulnerable in life with my heart and my emotions. Right. I was just like I didn't I didn't even have the strength 
to even sing full out, belting yeah, and like ripping perfect. and running. Right? Nobody. I was like, did it. It's perfect. But, I love. Well, thank you so much. It's just, and then when I when I started exploring, it's just like, yeah. So the whole album, even vocally, I'm using my voice in a different way. I'm used. To, I'm used to having to project and wail and. Right, and and right. I, like, I just want to sing lyrics and tone and air and texture, and, and then I committed to that direction. Again, coming from a place of feeling vulnerable and sad and lonely and like, what the fuck is happening in the world? <laughs> came right. A totally different approach to doing music. So, which I love. <clears throat> I love. I love the unexpected. You know, when it comes to music, because you know, when we listen to the music, the, uh, the radio stations, it all almost like. Every song sounds the same. So when um, somebody like you comes out with something that's so totally different and unexpected, that's what I love to hear. That's amazing. So Thank you. you. Thank you, sweetheart. Thank um, you. What do you love about being an artist? Ooh. Um, well, <laughs> I mean, I, I, I think... Probably other artists would say something similar. I think for me, um, once I get in that zone, whether I'm, you know, writing a song, creating, or I'm on stage and I'm performing, it's like a space that doesn't exist in reality. So you get lost. I feel free in that space. I feel more more myself in that space than I do in real life. So I think being an artist, there's this freedom, there's this euphoria, there's this thing that happens when you really connect right. in that zone that, and, you know, it's not, this is, and I don't mean from an egotistical standpoint because right. I mean, other artists will know, it's hard to describe. I, I don't want to say that if you're not an artist, you wouldn't understand because that's, right. Uh, that doesn't make sense, and I don't agree with. I wouldn't project that at all. But I just think the the thing that I love most about being an artist is that, in some way, shape, or form, whatever dimension that is, mm-hmm. whatever you want to call it, or however you want to label it, I think I feel the most at peace. Mm. So I think that's that is the first re- thing reason why I love being an artist. Right. Um, it's just it's just a it's just a it's um it's a truth it's a, it's an interesting like r- realm of truth within a being <laughs> i sound like yeah. deepak exactly. chopra <laughs> no no you sound like what deepak chopra these are wise words from a laura jane jones no i love that you know <laughs> we might have to put that on a t-shirt you know <laughs> yeah i mean it's you know obviously you're expressing yourself i mean for me Again, um, listen, and I know artists that are doing it for ego. They're doing it for money. They got a good body and their booties out and they look good. <laughs> you know, they're they're a more of a um, they're more of an exhibitionist. Right. I'm not. You know, that's not what I'm talking about. You know. Um, so for me, that's that's the first and foremost reason why I love being an artist. Awesome. I love why it. I and why I am why I am an artist. That's you why know? you are. That's right. Um, yeah. what are yeah. three things you wish you had known before you got into the music business? 
Woo! <laughs> oh, Lord, child. <laughs> um, well, I think, you know, now being, you know, a little bit older and wiser and having lived a little bit, one of the things, you know, I'm also a mentor and I mentor young artists and stuff like that. Right. And I've, you know, one of the things that I tell people today is that you're always going to walk into any situation and you're going to have an inner voice speaking to you. Uh-huh. And you have to learn how to tap into that and listen to that. And that inner voice could be like, this is basically your intuition or your, your third eye, trusting your third eye, your intuition, your inner voice. You go into a room and you, you know, ooh, I don't like that guy. Ew, I, really, I get a bad vibe. But, but you, you, you don't really realize that, that that's what your inner voice is saying and you maybe proceed with whatever you're proceeding with. It could be business and it could be personal. It could be right. personal too. We make bad decisions. Or, or you walk into the room, you're in a situation, you get a good vibe, and your inner voice is like, I like that person, but you don't know how to listen to that inner voice. You don't know how to listen to that intuition, and maybe you ignore it, and you make a bad choice by ignoring that. So I think there's one thing I wish that someone had, maybe someone did, you know, that's the thing when you're young. You're like, oh, I think I know every day. You know those shit. <laughs> um, um, but I, I want, especially now, I mean, I, and I tell, I tell young people this all the time. I said, let me tell you something. You know. You know. And I want to mm-hmm. equip. I wish someone had equipped me. And I think as a female, as a woman of color, you know, 25 years ago, as opposed to now, women of color are at least have a little bit more of a platform. They're a little bit more listened to. I mean, they're really, there wasn't, there wasn't nobody around. When I was right. coming up, there were no execs that were black women or women of color, Latinos. Right. Um, so, you know, um, yeah, just, you know, trusting, learning to listen to that inner voice and, 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 and make decisions trusting that inner voice like knowing how to tap into that and you know like I yeah so I tell young people all the time I said you know I tell Mm. them you know you're smart you're I wish someone had told me you're smart you know and it's not that some people no no one told me I was dumb right I wish someone had just said listen you are powerful you know Mm. you are um smarter than you think you're strong you know we as women, I mean, it, it's happening now, too, but it's just a little bit different now. Right. Because, um, I mean, there is more empowerment for young women. But back then, I mean, you were you were absolutely at the mercy of a bunch of motherfucking men. That's right. And they would do whatever the fuck they wanted, you know. So I think I, I forgot the question. <laughs> was the question? I forgot, girl. I forgot. There are three things you wish you had known before you got into the music industry. Okay, so that's number one. Number okay. two, um, um, hmm. I think I I think that I wished um 
I had known, I think I had wished um, that I had known to just really keep writing and insist on collaborating with people and keep practicing my instrument and being in charge of, like, you know, your writers, you know? Um, Yeah, like just knowing that writing is where it's at, no matter what, you have to be a writer, period. So I think I would have, yeah, um, would have loved to have had that reiterated to me over and over and over. Um, Thirdly, um, I don't know. Um, (laughs) I mean, I feel like I I, kind of said three things, right? I don't know, shit. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I like them. I mean, one of, one of the things that a lot of people tell me is, like, they didn't realize how hard the music business was. I mean, I, I think now it's even harder because, you know, you have to be on all these damn platforms, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, Snapchat, Clubhouse, this, that, blah, blah, TikTok, TV. It's, it's, a, it's a lot. It's a lot. And sometimes you question, is, yeah. it, is this even about the music or is it what I can show you on my social media right. site? So, um, you know, and that the, the music industry can get, kind of be scammy. You really have to do your due diligence when people approach you. Because when you first start out in this music, they like, they latch onto you. You know, I can make you famous. You just need to pay me $5,000 and I'll do this, that, and the other. Which is a bunch of crap. Right. So, um, right. we just have to basically uh, watch out. But I loved your answers. Don't worry. They were good. Thank uh, you. Oh, my God. Thank you. <laughs> How important is it for you to support minority and women-owned businesses? Oh, it's. I think it's very important. Um, <clears throat> I. I. One of the things that I realized, um, going back to the pandemic, and you know, you you would hear this at some point, like through the pandemic, you have you would hear women women businesses and minority businesses were affected the most. Right. And then I realized, like, that year, and I mean, I'm just going to make a list, like, I realized, that, oh, my God, I have been going out of my way, not going out of my way, innately, intuitively, in my wisdom, and, and as I've gotten older, like, I support women in business, like, I, I, whether it's, like, my hairstylist or my right. acupuncturist or my esthetician or the bakery the the vegan gluten free minority owned bakery where I can get some shit. Um, <laughs> all I you know are um I are um all of these. There was definitely like at the end of the pandemic, I realized that year twenty twenty that there was like five or six businesses that are owned by women. Um, five of them, of which three of them are immigrants, two of them are minorities. All five are women. And usually every year I realize that, you know, because when I was doing my taxes, I'm like, usually I'm spending at least, you know, 3500 bucks on this on this woman's business, or maybe it's 42 or maybe it's 2500 And, you know, those aren't huge numbers. You figure if that, that woman in business has, you know, 30 clients that are paying that, that's, you know. So, um, and I realized that it was true that the businesses that were run by women, small businesses were affected the most because I didn't patron them Mm. myself, not because I didn't want to either a, they were closed or I was so scared to spend money. I mean, I, listen, I cut my own hair for like a year, you know? Um, 
yeah, because everything I'm in California, everything's fucking closed, girl. Um, so <laughs> you're yeah. like, I'm. I, so I, no, I get it. I I I am I'm one of those people. I was raised in a family with four sisters, so now I have four sisters who are now my best friends. As and of which three are women of color, mm-hmm. um, and you know, just it is innate for me to reach out to women on a sisterhood level. Uh, you know, just purely that. Hey, girl, how you doing? What you working? Okay, well, I'm gonna buy one. You know, mm-hmm. shit. Oh, that shit went down. That your boss did this. You know, um, it is innate. It is natural for me to fellowship with other women, and 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 protect other women, and to want to support other women. It's it's uh, it's it's just my truth. It's how I was raised. Um, so um, it's very important to me. It's very important. To me. And, and that is extremely extremely awesome. Extremely awesome because we need more women like you that you know you want to support women. You know it, it's crazy to me. You know that's why Nikki and I started Sisters in Music because we want to we want a platform where everybody's on the same. We're on the same plane. We're all right. living in the same world. There's no diva behavior, and we just want to be able to support one another. You know when you're successful, I'm successful. I don't have time for that competition bullshit. I just don't. I do my thing. You like it? You don't like it? Who cares? Um, and, but yeah. I, I'm the type of person that always likes to applaud people when, when something's happened for them, even if we're, let's say we're in the same genre, battling the same thing, who cares if it's meant for, if it's meant for you, you're going to get it. If it's meant for me, I'm going to get it, but I'm going to applaud you while I watch your successes. I'm not going to, Oh my God, why didn't Laura get it? And I didn't get, no, that's, I'm not like that. I'm not like that whatsoever. Right. Um, and so, I really, I've always been a, I've always been kind of a believer that you know there's enough slices of the pie to go around. Yeah. You just need to be happy with you. You just have to be happy with your slice of the pie. Okay. If your slice of the pie is a is a quarter of an inch smaller than the person, like it's perspective. Right. You know, maybe maybe your journey is like you know it's the whole you know half glass half empty half full thing. That's right. Now. You were you were adopted into um, a multi ethnic family here. Mm-hmm. How was that for you growing up? Well, automatically, because everyone looked different in my family, from my siblings right. um, to my parents, it was just like okay. I mean, <laughs> clearly, I mean, you, you yeah you you weren't allowed to be racist. You certainly, right. uh, two of my sisters were immigrants. They were, you know, came from another country. Um, yeah. So I, I understood what that was. Um, <clears throat> automatically, it just forces you to just, you know, um, think outside the box and just like, I mean, just racism just was never, an, I mean, it was just, I mean, that, that would make no sense, you know. Mm. Um, so I think learning tolerance at a young age is was was the most one of the best things, you know, and tolerance and understanding and differences. I mean, I remember when my two sisters came from Vietnam. I mean, I thought, (laughs) you want to hear a funny story? So my two sisters were coming from Vietnam, and my my mother, my adopted mom, was trying to, she was trying to use, like, she, my parents were one of those parents where they tried to use the real words rather than like baby the word down like and you know treat you like a kid like you didn't understand right. so they didn't want 
they didn't want to use the word immigrant um, and refugees with us, with my right. sisters. They, so, they, so they said they were aliens. Uh-uh. <laughs> so, so, but, but that, is, that is a correct term. You know, they're aliens. <clears throat> so, because aliens doesn't mean outer space, but me right. being five. <laughs> <laughs> so we are in we are in LaGuardia Airport in New York City, and my sisters are arriving from Vietnam. And uh, they arrived, and my mom was like, "Go take your sister way back," because my mom said, "Go take your sisters to the bathroom." So we weren't even supervised back then. And, and so I screamed at the top of my lungs, "But mommy, do they have vaginas like me? Because they're aliens." <laughs> <laughs> Like I screamed it in the middle of the airport. Do they have vaginas? <laughs> oh um, my! God. Your mom must have been like, huh? Um, <laughs> I think my mom. I think my parents cracked. They just cracked up. They thought it was the funniest thing ever. They they literally laughed about this for years. So this was a joke at every dinner party for like twenty years. Oh my god. Um, that's the story you tell it every every year. <laughs> yeah, every year. So um, I forgot. I forgot the question. See, I'm talking. I forgot. Um, no, so anyway. it was about being, you know, adopted and and having a multicultural family. Now, let me ask you this question: How have your two sisters from Vietnamese um, dealt with um, the recent hatred? <laughs> the their rec- their recent what? The recent hatred in the United States of Asian people—it's just ridiculous, really. Because well, people just... you know, my sisters, my sisters are my sisters are Vietnamese and black. Um, okay. And the funny thing about yeah, so and like I mean, they're both um, just because people are stupid because their skin is brown. People they don't necessarily see the Asian right away. Mm-hmm. Like my my one of my sisters, people they think she's Indian, like from India. You know, she's just there's something. But if you look closely, they look very Asian. Um, right. But because their skin tone is not like yellow or like light, right? Um, people don't automatically think that they're Asian. So what? I would say, so to answer your question, um, but they definitely have experienced racism. I just don't know if I can right. equate it to just Asian. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I don't know. Our world. I don't know. <laughs> I look at I look at the news sometimes, and I I just don't understand how people can be so hateful. You know, there's there recently a person just shoved an Asian woman um, in front of a train. I think it was an Asian person, or they're they're beating Asian people, and um and obviously this was happening to black for many years. Um. <laughs> And yeah, you you have to wonder sometimes how somebody can just be so hateful. Who has that much energy? Well, <clears throat> right. I mean, I think that. Well, I think in the last twenty some odd years, um, mean spiritedness has become um, one of our biggest societal problems. I think mm-hmm. it equates from you know um, even reality shows, you know, and, yes. and kids in yes. schools, you know, bullying and like mean spiritedness yes. is like, it's what's popular. Like just be exactly. mean, you know, be vicious, be vicious, be mean. 
Um, so I think I think on a societal level, that's every race, every person. That's just like that's just like. Unfortunately, I think it's an American thing. I mean, I've been to ninety yeah. countries and I don't see it quite like what I see here. You know, no, people want to be mean. They want to be vicious. Yeah. I agree with you a hundred percent on that. Um, you know, let's say okay, United States is great. We have a lot of freedoms and stuff like that. But when it comes to racism, this country is just it's it's and the hatred and like you you talk about is it's it's just a thing now. It's like a popular thing to be so hateful and and have a bunch of a lot of vitriol in your in your system and it's just it's sad you know it, it is and and I think that you know I mean clearly I mean in terms of America our other problem which I mean it's, it's so clear the Browning of America mm. first of all it has happened it it has happened. It's mm-hmm. no longer happening. It has happened. And there are people that really, really feel threatened by that and don't really want that to be happening, which right. is kind of the climate that we've been in with a lot of the politics and so many cultural things that have been happening. And right. it's, it's, um, it's like, well, you know, I don't know what to tell you guys. I mean, you know, I mean, this is what it is. You know, this is what it is. And um, to change certain things and the fabric of what what created that out, outcome here in America is, well, so then you hate America because if you don't want this and you don't want you don't want this, then really what it means is you hate America because that's what we're founded on. Mm. You know, so we're founded on you know, so and and then with that now you've got the Browning of America and it, it's like. No, you have to. It, it kills me, especially my immigrant friends, how they really don't know how this country really was built on inequity right. and why, why and how and why is there generational poverty in the black community? Why is it? Why is there this and why is there that? Um, they don't know. They don't mm. know. You know. Um, but you need to know that this country is built, it is built on inequity, 100%. And you need to know why. And you need to understand the history. And and maybe that will give you a little bit of wisdom and shed some light. You know, like I have a real issue, like um, in California, like I'm like, I don't understand how anyone can be in California and live here or be born here and like hate Mexicans. I'm like, how can exactly. you, it's just like you, you you haven't read a book. Like first of all, <laughs> not only was this not only was the state part of Mexico, but it also like they built the economy. They mm-hmm. literally built the economy. It's not it's not me just being like, you know, you know, a, a lefty thinking person. It's like it's a fact. You know, they're the ones who agriculturally were literally picking picking the, the vegetables and the fruit and, and our our agriculture is like the third number one business. And we feed the rest of the country. So and if you look at these from way back, it's like nineteen forty, fifty, they would bring people over from Mexico and they would come and they would work and then they'd go back to Mexico and mm-hmm. then finally they were able to stay and then they could you know, they you know, so it's just like it's just things like that. It's like, well, I mean you can't, and it's also a real problem for me if you're from Russia or 
Germany or Italy or somewhere else and, and you come over here and you're an immigrant and you're criticizing other the immigrants that built the economy. It's like, well, wait a minute. I think you need to read a book, and when you fucking read a book, you can talk to me. I really hate ignorance. And you know what? I'm not even saying, listen, not everyone's going to get along. That's right. I'm not saying that everyone's going to get along. I'm not saying that, but it's just like, okay, you know, California, you know, I live in L.A. County, and, you know, we have, a lot of illegal immigrants here. That doesn't mean they just cross the border and they're criminals. They've been here forever. They're, they've, they're integrated into society. They're paying taxes. You know? I, just, I love that. I, yeah. I, I think we need to get t-shirts that say, just read a book. <laughs> just read a book. <laughs> just read a fucking book. Just read a fucking book. Get, yeah. Gain some understanding before you open your mouth to say something really stupid. Now, that would be long on a really? That's on the back. Uh, well, Laura, thank- after, after you read it. Yes, thank you. Yes, this was so fun. What were you going to say? You were going to say something. I cut you off. <laughs> I forgot. I forgot <laughs> it. <in. laughs> that happens to me so much. Nope. What was I going to do? What was I going to say? Oh, oh I, it was no, important. but this was this was great. I really enjoyed I really enjoyed this. Thank you. Oh, thank you. I mean, it was an honor to have you. Um, we're gonna, I, I'm gonna, and thank you so much for signing up for membership. Nikki, Nikki said you signed up to join Sim, and and she's gonna talk to you about you know being you being a mentor and doing all kinds of things with uh, sisters and yeah. Music. Let's. I mean, I'm I'm, I'm curious, excited. and I I want I figured you know why not it's. I think it was $35, and I figured, you know, I mean, just see how it goes, and this is what it's about. Yeah, no, I agree with you. This is what it's it's about, you know. you got to help the future generation and the the current generation and the old generation and all kinds of different people. Yeah, I agree with you 100%, but thank you so much for being on Chatting with Nat. I can't wait to work with you and do a bunch of things with you. I think this is going to be a lot of fun. There'll be a learning. Sounds great. Well, well, thank you so much, and I look forward to that as well. All right. (laughs) All right, everyone. Okay, baby. With recording artist Laura Jane Jones. She's not just a recording artist. She's a wonderful woman. She's a great vocalist. She's she's just an artiste. She does what she wants. She speaks her truth. She does everything right. So you've got to check her out at laurajanemusic.net. Check her out. She's awesome. Until next time on Channel Chatting with Nat is a podcast for independent women seeking to speak their truth and to break down barriers. We host honest conversations that help to guide and empower women. Speak your truth and set yourself free. Let your voice be heard.